What's up, folks? My name is Justin Kana. This is another Ask JK for August 2021. This is where I collect some questions from you folks in the community tab of YouTube. It's uh, on the channel. If you kind of go up on the top where the tabs are, you can usually find those. And I treat this kind of Reddit style. So you folks get to upvote which ones you want to see. And then things kind of pool. So there's about five or six questions that I'm going to answer today. And then I have a special announcement towards the end. So stick around for that. First question comes from Josh, who asks, how is your course progressing? Very eager to find out. Also would love a portioning 101 video. The course, which is called the Demi Skills course, subtitled Adaptive Kitchen Productivity, I made that a mouthful, had a fantastic beta. I really, really enjoyed taking the small group of people from the community. I kind of picked them from the email list to kind of give them a heads up on, on it and basically test the concept, test the content, and then just get a bunch of feedback from one-on-one -on -one phone calls with people. In conjunction with what I knew the course needed from a revamp perspective, plus the feedback that some of you folks gave me, I basically, without sharing too much, needed to triple the amount of work uh, content-wise that I needed to produce for everything. And so my production assistant and I are not only working on like a free challenge version of the course that anybody can kind of join as a taster for getting an introduction to the course, the content, how I teach, and then that will be kind of a fun way to decide if the course is right for you. So there's a bunch of stuff that we're working on in conjunction with the rollout before that can go live. And so it's coming. It's something we're chipping away at every single week, but it's something that um, October is what we're shooting for, if that's what I'll say. We also do talk about portioning in the course, but when you talk about portioning 101, I'm kind of curious what you mean by that, because I would always use scale as a way to kind of like, you know, we would have seven course tasting menu portions of fish that would be about 90 grams. And then you can usually reverse engineer if you plop a big filet on the scale and you say, oh, cool, do the math. I can get six portions out of this piece of fish. The only other thing that comes to mind as I'm thinking about portioning is if you have something like a gateau or a tart where you need to get like super straight portions of things using things like, uh, what would I use? Like a slicer knife with a bucket full of hot water and you dump dunk your knife in there and pull it out and then you'd quickly portion. This is for my pastry folks out there. Too. Jack Lincoln coming in with three questions that all got super upvoted, so well done, but I'm noticing a theme in all three of the questions, so I'm going to ask a couple of them. Editor will pop up all the questions here so you can pause and read through if you want more context, and then I'm going to give my answer here. So a lot of questions about, you know, how long do you stay working at a great restaurant, even if you aren't passionate about the food there? You feel like you're learning. You want to make sure that you um, put in the times that you have some tenure so that you aren't seen as this person that's constantly bopping around. That was kind of the theme of one of the questions. Another question sounds like you have a certain goal, but you don't feel like where you're at is getting you closer to those goals. That's also a problem that I've dealt with in the past. And then the last piece is just about like being able to process all the information and lessons and techniques and learnings that are existent in this culinary field, but you don't feel like it, it can feel like drinking from a fire hose sometimes. Let's talk about the tenure piece because that often uh, is this very arbitrary number that people set, whether it's something that a chef of theirs told them once upon a time and that just sticks in their head and they decide that they want to pass that down to the next generation. Some people say like a year, if you're not going to work a year for, for somewhere, then it's not worth working there at all. A lot of people say two to three years is kind of where you want your resume to sit. And I think what's so funny about that number, and I call it arbitrary for a reason, is if you ask some of these people about some of their really impactful experiences, it 
comes in a very condensed set of time because you don't always get the full impact. You're not constantly making those incremental exponential gains throughout that entire year. Do you know what I mean? There's also a huge spectrum of restaurants that offer different compensation packages and professional growth trajectories for people that are just all across the board. Sometimes you can stay for a year at a place, and I've worked with people who stay, that's how I was at the French Laundry. I, I worked Cheese Station for almost an entire year. I got to a place where I was basically just like completely stagnant. I wasn't moving at all, and it got me very frustrated because I wanted to move up in stations, but no one else in the brigade was moving, so it's like, how was I gonna get somebody else's spot if no one was gonna leave? I think there's also this sense, especially if you group it with travel, where a three-month stint, a six-month stint, is not seen as a bad thing. It's seen as a bad thing if it starts to become this thing where it's really, really common if the person who's interviewing you happens to call references of yours and they don't always have good things to say. That can often be really negative, too, and so if you have these little stints that you happen to do that you're super passionate about, you learned a lot, and it's something where you made a lot of great connections and expanded your network, I don't see that as a bad thing at all. In fact, it's one of the reasons why I kind of do this combo thing, and I did this early in my career, where I would have places I would stay at for a year or two, but then I would do these week-long, two-week-long, even two-day, like on the weekend, Saturday, Sunday, kind of stages, and so then I could get that variety and the tenure at the same time. It was a lot of work, but like I was young and I could do that, so why not take advantage of it. I'll quickly pivot to your question about learning because you you said it yourself. You said, how can what can be done to put myself in the best spot for success? Is it normal to always feel like there's an astonishing amount of things that I don't know, but I should know? This is absolutely why I started keeping track of my notes in notebooks. I obviously use like more digital and uh, searchable tools now in my career. I'm kind of trying to read between the lines here, and I'm going to hopefully assure you that there is no arrival place. There will never be a day where you look up from a book and you exhale and you say, I have arrived. I know everything. In fact, maybe think about it this way. If you end up getting to this place where you know so many things, you know all the different cuisines, you know all the different techniques, how are you going to write a menu? How are you going to decide what technique or what type of seasoning to use on whatever dish you're trying to create? Because you know so many things, so then you end up in this weird paradox of choice place. What might be an interesting exercise for you to do is, yes, to keep track of your notes, cherry pick the things that you are enjoying in your research, and then there's a great piece that Rene Redzepi talks about in one of his kind of video interviews, one of the mini documentaries they did on Noma, where they're basically saying that as they're doing this was when Fermentation Lab was really in the height of, of things. They were saying as they discover new techniques, new processes, new ways of treating ingredients, they treated it like a letter in their alphabet. And so not necessarily saying that you could, uh, yes, you could do things that you couldn't do before, but it's all in service of being able to take things and create these combinations of things that were more verbose words, increase your vernacular, increase your vocabulary, and then the menu ultimate, the, the finished product that the guest is going to enjoy ends up being something that they've never had before because your unique combination and research kind of shines through in the final product. Also, Jack, and I wouldn't give this advice necessarily to everybody, but it seems like you're pretty ambitious and you enjoy writing already. You should try to write, like see where your opinion takes you from the sense of being able to articulately talk about things. I started this food blog once upon a time. It was called Two Top. I would go out to dinners. That eventually has made its way into my This Place Called episodes, but that really helped me from the sense of being able to 
have an opinionated point of view on things because that helps remove some of that paradox of choice because you start to parse out, oh, I like this because. It's not just because someone, because you can often get trapped in thinking that I need to learn this because somebody else is interested in this or somebody else says that this is a prerequisite in order to be a good chef. And then you get down the rabbit hole and you get to the end and you're like, oh, well, I don't even know if that was interesting to me or not. All right, this question comes from Alex asking, as a full-time working professional, how do I go about expanding my culinary skills without spending thousands on cooking classes? I've tried taking cooking classes at places at Sur La Table, but these classes are designed for novice cooks and I find myself exiting the class having learned nothing. Are there resources that you know of that could help a reasonably experienced home cook move to the next level? In my experience, you kind of have two options. You sign yourself up for something that feels two levels, I'll call it, outside of your comfort zone that you're going to host yourself, call it a dinner party, call it a hosting experience, whatever you need to call it. It's not a pop-up per se, but you have some friends over and maybe you've never made beef wellington before. Maybe you've never made paella before. Maybe you've never made uh, risotto at a large scale in, in, in your experience. And so Putting your, signing yourself up for that, giving yourself that deadline, that accountability, the uh, feedback that you're going to get from the guests that are there can ultimately push you outside of that comfort zone. And then through the process of putting that on, you're going to be forced to figure out what resources are available. You're going to be forced to research what gear you need. You're going to be forced to change your processes a little bit because you're going away from, let's say, cooking for four and you're going to do paella for 16 people. How are you going to pull that off? And the learning will just come naturally. The second piece, and I don't think I've talked about this that much on the channel before, but depending on the restaurant, you can go stage at a restaurant even if you're just a home cook because you're not. it takes the pressure away from, oh, I'm trying to trail for a job. You're not necessarily trying to trail for a job because you just want to up your cooking game at home. If you're willing to go spend a day at a restaurant and do the prep, you might actually become subject to doing dicing tasks at a pace you've never been asked to do before. You're going to get asked to peel tomatoes and set up your station in a way to, to do that. And because they know that you're a home cook and you're just there to help, maybe you have a relationship with a restaurant in your town where you feel close enough where you can make that request. Uh, I'll give an example. We had a, a retired doctor at the restaurant in Norway who him and his wife would come into Lise for Kit all the time. And he just asked, can I come in on Saturdays and help you guys with prep? I just love to cook at home and it's something that I'd be interested in. Would you be willing to allow me to stand next to one of the chef de parties and help them with their prep? It was a no brainer for me. He was you know, he'd come in four times a year, something like that. But I know that he walked away from that experience feeling much better than how you're feeling coming out of a cooking class where novice home cooks are the norm. All right, last question, then I'll give you folks the update here. Crow One asks, can you show us some of your favorite garnishment ideas slash tips slash fun facts slash history lessons, tools to carve or mark a design or lines? I think I'm a little bit confused here from the question of favorite garnishes, ideas for dishes, or like carving things into tools. I'm a little bit confused. I will share that sometimes I will um, take a small Dremel tool and engrave my initials in my tools as something, not as a design thing, but so like no one can lie and say that they, uh, you know, kept my knife or my offset spatula or something like that. I used to do that all the time. I do have a reps for plating video in the works. I'm writing it and I'm pretty sure I know exactly what, what I'm going to do exercise wise for reps for plating because I want it to be something that you can replicate with things that feel like prep but aren't technically prep. Favorite garnish ideas. I mean like herb salads are still one of my favorite things to do right now. Um, a really elegant smooth puree 
is still something that's like, it's the reason I made that video with the get it right spatula, because when you have a chunky puree and it doesn't quite come out of the squeeze bottle right, you can't make nice dots, you can't do nice swirls, It you feel it in your plating. I don't know if anybody of you know, know what I'm talking about here. Uh, other garnish things. I got really into like seed crumbles for a while when I was in Norway. Um, other intricate garnishes. I don't do a lot of the like fruit carving. Um, I do scoring sometimes on things like mushrooms, uh, uh, meat skins sometimes. But for the most part, I'm more on flavor and execution, right? Like I, I would rather have something not technically be all that pretty, but like the meat was cooked just spot on. The seasoning of the sauce was exactly like it's like these unseen things are the are the things that I actually prioritize as I'm getting later in my career versus the flashy kind of like put flowers on everything, do the fancy twill. Of course, the 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 no-brainer way to garnish and, and make your dishes look better is to add height to things. I think that that's something that's really underrated, and I will talk about that in the Reps for Plating series. Okay, the last announcement, and if you've noticed the background behind me being completely crazy, it's because Anna and I are moving. Yes, it's really actually very sad. I'm really upset to be leaving this place because this was one of my favorite studios. I think most of you know the first studio. Well, I guess the first area was like the Lisvaka kitchen when I would do original Dish of the Day videos. Then you obviously had Anna and I's first apartment in Seattle. This is our second place that we've lived in, and we're moving to another one. And so that's going to be much more built out. I'm going to have a much we're, we're, we need more space is basically the punchline. And so, um, you know, Thank you for your patience and, you know, like, that's why pumping out videos has been difficult the past few weeks is because as we're thinking about moving and going in the process of, like, changing living locations, that comes with its whole slew of problems. But, you know, this might be the last video that you see out of this location, barring some of the podcasts that have been pre-recorded because we have 10 days uh, to move. And so the the state of our, our place is, like, in chaos right now because there's just boxes everywhere and we're just kind of, like taking a place that's been lived in and, and cherished by us, and we're, we're transitioning. And so we're really, really excited. Of course, I'll give the tour. I'm really sad that I didn't get a chance to cook in this place as much as, you know, the last one. But um, the whole goal of moving, and obviously there's other transitions that I'll, that I'll share, is that um, I'm just excited to be able to produce more. I, I, I'm wanting to prioritize this and you folks a lot more going forward. I don't want to do the YouTuber thing of like promising things and then, you know, creating a bunch of artificial hype. So I will just be excited to deliver on that. But, you know, this might be one of the last videos you see in this space. So if you've been around for a while, if this is not your first Ask JK, thanks as always for stopping by. I'm really excited to have the opportunity to answer your questions. If you have other things you'd like me to chime in in the comments, please let me know. And if this is something that you want to engage in on a more regular basis, please join the community. That link is down below. Just five bucks a month to support the content. And there's a whole Q&A space in there where not only do you get to ask questions and then I answer them on a much more regular basis, but I post public kind of answers as I'm leaving comments on people's stuff so that you can grow from other people's questions in your journey. So Definitely check that out if you haven't already. I will see you in the next video. My name is Justin Kana. Have a good one.